State Farm Insurance knows that understanding and investing in our cultural identity is paramount in protecting our future. We know what it's like to go from nothing to something, to wish that we had better financial literacy when we were younger. Luckily, State Farm is here to help. With funding programs like Project Ready, which is committed to education achievement and has already awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to black and brown youth since 2021. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, so there we were, cruising through the new open-air zoo, when I realized that the park was closing in like 15 minutes. Luckily, we were in my Nissan Rogue. With its powerful VC turbo engine, well, we had time to see all the animals. Whoa! <laughs> and outrun a few! Drive the Nissan Rogue. Let's just keep it real straight shot with no chaser. I'm going to get a little bit rough. I'm here for those who really believe in the American process. All of us. Straight shot, no chaser. With your girl, Tesla Figaro, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. What's happening, everybody? This is Tesla Figaro with Straight Shot, No Chaser, giving you another episode, a part of the six series episode with Tesla Figaro Communications Group. Tesla and Figaro Straight Shot No Chaser partnered with the George Floyd Foundation as we deliver this important, impactful content directly to over 500,000 of our incarcerated brothers and sisters that will hear this podcast directly. Uh, what a blessing uh, and a great opportunity for us to e- to be able to, like they say, reach one and teach one. At the same time, we are also uploading this to the Straight Shot No Chaser podcast uh, so that individuals uh, who have uh, one uh, either been incarcerated, know someone who is, uh, or just anybody in general that wants to learn. I do believe that this is helpful to everyone that listens to it. So do me a favor and make sure that you subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We're going to continue our series. Uh, the episodes that we've already put out have dealt with post-incarceration syndrome uh, with Sheila Bruno. We also dealt with, and she was indirectly impacted uh, by being married to someone uh, that was incarcerated. We also had an opportunity to sit down with my good brother, Louis Reed, that talked about turning your purpose uh, into uh, taking your prison sentence and turning it into purpose. He served uh, 15 years as well and is now doing phenomenal things uh, with the Reform Alliance uh, organization. We also had an opportunity to talk to Dr. White, who talks about uh, the soul and the spirit and and how that also needs to be healed and worked on while you are doing your time. And today's guest is a, I would say, day one friend of mine, but really not day one because he's much, much older than me. Much, much older. Uh, but <laughs> he is someone that I've known uh, for a very long time, going all the way back to 1994 and having an opportunity uh, to be a part of his life and also the life of others, uh, how I met him, rest in peace to E.T. I've had an opportunity to see up close and firsthand of what uh, unfair sentencing can do, what it means to uh, do time under a bill that I advocate for constantly that was about uh, really uh, having a crack cocaine disparity which is right now we're talking about that in the news uh, with Joe Biden's uh, ordeal with 
uh, the crack pipes, uh, crack pipe pipe saga, I would say. Um, but watching a first time nonviolent offender do um, over 15 years uh, for a crime that was a part of a conspiracy uh, that was, again, first time nonviolent, uh, which is a result of the 94 crime bill. Uh, he is always my favorite guest uh, to bring on, not just because of his experience, but because of what he was able to do uh, with while he was serving his time and turning that into a positive. And just as a personal friend of mine, I have learned so much uh, during his bid and now that he has been home. So I want to welcome national bestselling Arthur Clifford Spud Johnson. How are you, sir? Hey, hey, hey. How are you doing? I'm Thank doing you good. for having me again. That was a good intro. Yes, it was. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll get straight to it. Um, give us a little bit of synopsis on a little bit about yourself. And remember, I, I want you to talk directly to the incarcerated person um, that is listening to this. Although everybody else will hear this, I want you to speak directly to them as if you were sitting with them on the yard and having a conversation um, and really being able to connect um, of your experience. So if you were to uh, give a quick summary uh, of your background and how that uh, led you to being sentenced um, and, and uh, getting your, your bid in federal time. Well, I'm originally from Inglewood, California. Born in Detroit, raised in Inglewood. Uh, early in my life, I committed to being a gang member, blood from Center Park Bloods, and everything that entails, and dealing with the drugs and the mayhem within the streets. I got heavy into the drug game as a teenager. And uh, after that, it was, you know, the highs and lows, but you ride the highs, having a lot of money, doing a lot of traveling from state to state, ended up in Oklahoma and really start making some serious moves in the streets for over a decade and then wound up going to federal prison. First time ever in prison, first time nonviolent offender, I got 17 and a half years. And at that time, I blamed the people in the streets instead of accepting responsibility that it was me. But as I grew older and more mature learning how to adapt to prison life and realizing that the way I was really like groomed, trained, you could say, is to gang bang and get into everything that's negative inside of prison. Until after I went to the hole and ended up having to do uh, about a year in the hole for something that I was accused of doing, hurting a man, I realized I can't do the rest of my time like this. Either I'm going to get a license or I'm going to die in prison. So that's when I started playing around with stories and writing stuff down in the lab. And after reading, a good friend of mine now, Terry Woods and Quan, after reading their books, realizing their urban tales was more East Coast based. So I started playing around with it and I can do this. And I ended up playing around with it, wrote a couple of stories and ended up a good friend of mine, Antoine Smith from uh, New Orleans, said, man, Terry Woods is accepting manuscript. You should send her your book. And never did I write for to get published. I was writing just to be able to have some peace and free my mind inside that prison. I taught myself how to type and I started typing up my manuscripts. and it I realized the days flew by as well as I was getting not, not in much trouble. I still was 
getting into things just because of who I am and my background from being in the blood from the leadership standpoint. But for the most part, I just kept writing and writing. And the time was flying by. And then in 2005, my friend uh, Antoine Smith was like, come on, man, I'm going to send your manuscript to Terry Woods. In short, I sent it to her. She liked my work and she introduced me into the business. And after that, a few more years went by and then she introduced me to Carl Weber because her company went defunct and he signed me. And I've been with him ever since now, over a de- almost a decade and a half, 16 books later, working on number 17 now. Here I am. So when you talk about, because um, one of uh, Lewis's uh, who we had on, I wanted to make sure that we had on people who were directly uh, impacted and indirectly impacted. And uh, Lewis talked about really finding his purpose after he got out. Um, you know, he, he talked about the tools that he used to you know, focus and to have a plan. And he had an opportunity to, you know, work with politicians. And after he got out, but your story, the reason why I wanted your story was because you really, um, you know, found an entire new skill that you had uh, while you were doing that time and not even realizing it was something, you know, that was in you. And tell me a little bit about when you were writing those stories, how it really allows you to escape. And And I'm saying that because, again, Imagine you sitting on the yard and somebody listening to you. They may not be a writer or they may not, you know, that may not be their skill, but really kind of harp on, uh, you touched on it a little bit, but how that, how did it, did it help your mental ability to escape uh, from what was around, what was going on around you with creating a, a story? Um, how that, that zone, how did that zone really benefit you from, you know, not being as distracted? Because you always talk about a program, having a program, getting up, you know, going to the library, going to whatever, keeping you away from all the mayhem that was going on. Tell us a little bit about the mental standpoint and how important it is, you know, to find a, a place of escape mentally. And it's it's good question. It's like more or less, I didn't even realize it. Like you say, in there, everybody has a program. You get up, go to breakfast, you go to the yard, you go work out, you come back, you shower. You go to whatever educational classes, of course, you have, which is minimal, but you should have to take for the GED dues or whatever. My program formed with just me waking up, going to breakfast, going to the library for three hours, come out for lunch, chill for a minute, go back for three hours, come back, go to dinner, eat, chill, go back from five to eight. It was keeping me off the yard. It was keeping me off, off the, away from the mayhem, though I still, like I said, I still was hands on because I'm a leadership from leadership standpoint, it's being the blood, running the blood. And it just, as time progressed, it, I didn't really know this then. I didn't really know about the mental part of it. I just knew it was keeping me out of trouble. And the, this, you know, the, the months was fine. Next to the calendars was slipping. And I transferred to another spot. I kept the same program. So forth and so on for three or four more spots until my release. But while I was in it, it freed my mind. I didn't hear nothing. It's like, really, I'm in-depth in my story. It's giving me a peace and a calm as I look back. And that's what saved my life in prison. And I didn't realize that I had mental issues. You know what I mean? I was too busy focused on surviving. And then once I made some money from it while in prison, 
I really got motivated to stay on my program because I'm seeing a little change home to help my children. I'm living comfortable in prison. So it, and it's just like I'm writing and my writing grew from, I think I could do this to letting dudes read my stuff on the yard and they loving it to actual somebody from the streets reaching out and paying me for it. So it was like, I'm able to do something that grew from just something I thought to became a passion to something that saved my life to something that I love and I'm getting some coins from it. So I'm like, okay, this is it. This is something that I can come home to and be positive because I don't know nothing. I'm not no dummy. You know, I graduated high school, whatever, but I didn't have trades. And they had the trades they have in there were minimal, but I still took the course for horticulture and gardening and stuff like that. Who's going to come home and be horticulture, whatever? Not me. That ain't, you know, my thing. But like I said, I didn't realize how much it helped me mentally. It gave me a peace of mind, an inner calm inside that concrete jungle that's wicked. I mean, mayhem is still going around me and I'm oblivious to it because I'm in a library away from it. And to come home, and that was a whole nother story about mental challenge and trying to deal with 15 years, 11 months later and coming home and everything is so fast. I mean, everything. Car, I'm looking, we driving. And it feel like they're going 75 and we're on the street, but really they're going 40 to go into Walmart and actually start hyperventilating with this much people around. Now, you would think, why would he be that way when he's in prison with 1,500 men around? It's not the same. It's just like, you know, like how they have one of the movies and everybody just, they speed up the camera and make everybody go fast. That's what it was like. And I'm looking, people walk my scooter and I'm looking and I'm like, okay, I got to get out of here. I'm literally going outside gulping for air. It was like, I almost couldn't breathe. And then to come home and within 16 days, get a job at a where, um, at a Carlisle, it was a plastic manufacturing company. And to get that job was like, okay. So it's like highs and lows. I'm still spooking on how everything moving around. But yet, okay, I got a job with the 16 hour. I got it and I get, I threw my all to my job and gradually getting a promotion and getting up. I'm like, okay, I'm living this normal life. But at the same time, when I'm at work, dudes playing with each other, F you, F you, fool, F you, you bitch, fool. And I'm jumping and looking because what I'm used to, when you hear those words, step away, something to go down, look at it and make sure it ain't your people. And I'm defensive. So now I'm staying closed in at work. And to them, it's coming off as standoffish. But I don't want to be cool with you because if you play and call me a bitch like you had to do, my mind is going to be programmed to hurt that man. Now I'm going to lose my job and now I'm going to go back to jail. Then you, you got that constantly about your mind. You got to do right. You got to do right. You go to jail. You don't want to go back to jail. You don't want to go to jail. So you're living so much. Then you steady trying to catch up to trying to get back or get to know my children, which was another episode because our relationship was strained. And I'm like, not really understand. I can't come home and be daddy, do this, do that. Because these dudes just grown now, 18 and 23 years old, 20 years old. So now I'm trying to be a friend of sorts. 
which was another mistake. I'm still the father. I couldn't come back like I tried to tell make up what we lost, but I'm here now. So you got the family dynamic, strain. You got the mental capacity of work, strain, because I'm just, I'm bottling this in. Then you got the nervous part of it because I'm scared. I'm going to go back to jail. So what did I fall back to? The laptop. And when I get off work, let me, let me write. And my writing saves me. And here it saves me out here because I'm away from it. I don't feel no strain. I don't feel no family dynamic. I don't feel no pressure. I don't feel worry. I'm engulfed in what I'm doing. This is really literally saving my life in prison and it's helping me deal with life now. But it wasn't what I really needed. By closing myself off, it didn't address those issues. Yeah. Now that I learned a little bit more, from a mental standpoint, Mm -hmm. I'm still twisted. But I can't, I got to learn how to get away from the laptop and address these issues so I can adapt to community, to the world. I got to have just so much to do, but I'm scared. And thanks to you, I'm taking baby steps. I'm learning more things. I'm starting to get outside the box, interested in politics through the whole Bush, not Bush, what's his name? Trump, when he was running. Now I'm able to sit up and talk here, this dude right here doing this, 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 and half ass really know what I'm talking about, holding my conversation. And people are looking at me who I'm conversating with at first, telling me that dude, man, he's he making this movie, doing, but not it, it looked this way, but really he only could do this way because his hands is tied because this, this, and this. This is why Obama didn't do woo, woo, woo. And really speaking, like I know what I'm talking about, but I didn't got that game from Ted Figueroa. Yeah, well, let's talk a minute about that because support systems are so important and um i talked about it on the last few episodes and i want to talk about that and you know we can talk real transparent you know i don't deny my relationship with you and being your friend and what i've learned and i think it can help a lot of people and lewis and i talked about it on our um on our episode as well like the support system listening to you talk now i remember coming to see you but first let me just kind of back up and say a couple things it took some somebody to believe in you before you could believe in yourself because a lot of your story about um, your homies that was like, no, man, your book is good. You need to submit it. And no, you should put it in and reading. It took them encouraging. And I know we don't have a lot of time, but I want to, and I probably need to bring you back for a second episode because there's so much about your background that we can talk about, but I I don't want to brush over that part of, um, because Lewis talked about having people in your life that were supportive to him and how that support system is helpful. And then we also talked about how you guys have to be open to letting that support system support you and the brokenness I get that comes from not trusting people and not and thinking everybody's against you and, and what prison does in the post-incarceration syndrome of what happens even when you come home. I told Lewis from a support standpoint, it's not always easy to support somebody while they're doing time and certainly not you know when they come home and so he talked he was like that's interesting I didn't you know he said he didn't think about it that way and I said you know he he made a comment about uh you know what it's all about the tone and how you say it and I said the tone bother y'all about everything all the time that's why (laughs) when you said tone a minute ago I was thinking about you and thinking about how no matter what the tone was because of all of the things you're you're dealing that you have to deal with when you come home I want to Talk about that for a second, because whoever's listening now 
will hopefully one day get the opportunity to come home. You know a spot, but not just a spot, the spot. Actually, with the 2023 Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots? Being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your Frontier in the 2023 Nissan Frontier with standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-feet of torque. Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something we care deeply about here at Black Tech Green Money. State Farm Insurance also cares about the growth of black communities. They're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help provide financial literacy, give early career advice, and grow black-owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth, which helps protect the future of our communities. We want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Farm understands that representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. It also requires active sponsorship of programs like the AXO, a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students for their academic and cultural achievements along with funding programs like Project Ready, a national urban league program committed to educational achievement of black and brown youth that has awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to date. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. I remember coming to see you and you would say, I don't understand. Well, one, you would always ask me, I don't know why you're wasting time on this politics shit and doing this shit for people that you don't know. They're not going to have no loyalty. You're wasting your time. That was the first. You were not always sounding like this, bud. And then mm-hmm. you would also talk about how you didn't understand how people went back to prison. You said, I don't get it. You say, this dude just came, went, came back, man. When I'm when I go home, I'm I'm done. I don't know. They they keep talking about the pressure and I don't understand what they're talking about. Ain't no pressure. I remember looking at you. And for those who are listening, if you're a support system to somebody that's doing time, I would never bust your bubble and say, well, you're going to see when you get home, it's going to be this, this, this. Because remember, you got mad down the road. He's like, why you didn't tell me? And I said, well, because while you were doing your time, whatever you needed to get through doing your time, it wasn't for me to take away from that, but to be a support a good friend when you come home because I knew what the realities were coming. So if I told you, oh, no, it's not going to be this easy or it's going to be hard to push your books or you're going to have this or this or that. How does that help you remain in in the zone that you're talking about to do your time? So the first thing was getting you home. And then when the realities hit, that it wasn't as easy as you thought, which you said, oh, all I got to do is go in the bathroom for five minutes and Figure, that's literally what you said. I don't know if you remember. You said, all I got to do is go in the bathroom mm-hmm. and figure out how to do these smartphones and then it's on. I, I don't need nothing else. I'm good. Everything that you mentioned on how it wasn't as easy as you thought from being in the store. I remember one time you called me. You was like, do they still, do the butchers still cut up meat? Because I don't want to ask nobody if that's still not what they do. And I talked about that on my show. The smallest things, you know, that, that, you took for granted that seemed very, you know, easy and simple to do. You found yourself overwhelmed at a lot of, a lot of times. So to the people that are listening, what would be the advice um, that you would give? Because I I don't want them to be discouraged, but I want you to, I'm glad that you pointed out that it's not as easy as you think, because a lot of this training series, bud, is about recidivism, keeping people from not going back. And 
what were some of the things that you learned? Because you all have that temptation when you come home. Hey, let me get back in the streets. It's much easier to just let me go back to selling dope, like really learning how to go to a job every day and learning how to. We did so many exercises of learning how to pay bills like normal people, you know, robbing Peter to pay Paul. Or Remember, we would argue about not filling up the gas tank all the way. I would say, Spud, don't fill up the gas tank all the way. Just do it half because you you need the rest of that disposable income for the rest of the week to do X, Y, Z because you weren't used to having, you're used to, hey, here's $5,000, here's all the bills, here's this, here's that, done, and boom. So even those smallest things, now that you've been home and looking back at all of the stuff you will give me a hard time about, about the mental and the mental aspect and taking things slow and looking at the big broad picture and the long play game, what advice would you give somebody now that that sounds just like you sounded in 2015, 14 and saying, oh, all I got to do is just come home and learn how to use a smartphone. Seven years. It's been a journey. I've been free seven years. And as I look back at how far I've came, I, I have to give nothing but homage to you, my mother, even my baby mom people in my life, the support system that I have is a blessing. Not a lot of men have what I have from inside to outside I had you on my Keeping me motivated and positive because preparing for it, they give you nothing. When you're 18 months short, this is federal because I don't know about the state. When you're 18 months short, they take you to a one-day course, one day course where people come in from the outside, they have like about maybe 30, 40 dudes in there. They give you paper applications and tell you, make sure you learn the physics. I'm not no dummy already. I know I, I might not have. I had a couple of bullshit jobs just to cover up what I was doing. So I know how to fill out an application. I don't read this. And then they tell you the rules and don'ts of what your probation is going to do. As long as you work, and stay away from the pet, your your negative friends. You'll be out of it. That's how they prepare you to come home. So they don't prepare you to come home. Now, if I'm talking to dudes that's in prison right now, when you get really, you should be thinking about this your entire being. Start making me dang man, because you whether it's five, ten years, twenty, you gonna and you got a date. You coming home? Start preparing. This world you leave, you left, is not the same. So you get. If you're blessed to have family you can talk to or talk to dudes who are in the yard that have been there and came back, what is it? Don't let them scare you when they come back and tell you, man, out there, you got to have a job. Man, you hustle. You ain't going to survive if you don't get back in the game a little bit. You got the devil because, man, it's just too much going on. You know what I mean? Learn that you're using debit cards instead of cash mostly out here. Learn, start paying attention to getting some trades together so you maybe can come home and, and land a decent job instead of just what we know to with our strength as far as construction or warehouse because you're going to get older and the bones ain't going to be ready to be fair to come home and do that type of labor when you're sitting up and you're doing nothing. Prepare yourself mentally for every aspect. Pick your relationship, your family ties. Don't come home tripping up on your girl and what she did when you was gone, because all that's going to do is add stress on you, problems in your relationship to cause you do something stupid. Because I've seen a lot of dudes come back for 
arguing with that girl and she called a probation officer and a pro tell the probation officer he hit him. Now you back for 18 to two bid violation. Prepare yourself that the world is fast. Be prepared for it. Don't put pressure on yourself to make sure because all that's going to do is that anxiety is going to carry you over to the streets and it's that anxiety compound with everything you're going to face which will almost damn near drive you crazy. I remember it's been nights I laid there literally crying and I'm free. Never would I think I can let this, man, I done dealt, man, I've been behind the gun, I've been in front of the gun, I done ran police, I done been shot at the police, I done gang bang at the highest level. I'm tough. I'm an alpha male. I can handle anything. Man, if it wasn't for the support system that I had in and out, especially out, coming home, if it wasn't for the people that I named already, as far as you staying in my ear, this, I remember calling you. You gave me a phone that I was already used to. Then you brought me another one. I watched man, I don't want this. You went no, crazy, give, yeah. Give me the other one. I'll give me the other one because I know how to work there. This is blank, and I didn't even, I'm frustrated that I didn't even know how to tap the phone to make the keyboard show up. I'm calling you, man, this shit ain't working. You it, it is, would you listen? Man, this shit ain't working. I'm a, I'm all over the place over a simple ass phone. And then when you say, well, just tap the screen. I said, man, I've been tapping. Well, just calm. Go into the tech and tap the screen. I tap the screen, the keyboard come up. Now I'm feeling dumb as hell. Now I'm like, and that, and again, I'm not realizing this is mental. I'm feeling dumb. Like I'm a smart nigga. I supposed to know how to do that. I'm spud the blood. I know I'm spudding me. I don't, this shit don't pose me nothing to me. Brush this shit off and keep on rolling. Now you go to a paycheck where you're getting a thousand dollars after two weeks. And okay, I didn't have no pressure on me financially, but I'm not going to be my mind to just live on somebody else because I'm a breadwinner. But now I got to pay my little car note 300. I got to pay my phone bill a little hundred. I got to go take care of this bill. Now, after I take care of all that, I got like two hundred now. And now here I am back to work two more weeks for another thing. Like, oh, man, this is how, how the fuck are they can live off this? I'm a fly nigga. I want to go get dressed. I want to go get some J's. I want to go. And I can't do none of that with this. So now, depression financially. I'm thinking about niggas when they coming back. Man, you got to have a hustle. You can't just, you got to have a job. And job, just make them drugs keep your pee off. Nigga, when you get off, nigga, you got to dabble in that thing. Now, I'm instantly, I'm thinking, nah, ain't first time got me 17 and a half years. <laughs> right. Second time finna lay me down. So I'm using that to come back with that force. But then that force is, every time that paycheck come, that force is pushing back. Like, make the call. Call Poppy. Get it popping again. Nah, I can't do that. Then some days I'm making a call. Then as I make the call, I'm like, yeah, never mind, man. I'm with you. I'm not, it's you battle. It's a battle. Yeah, and like I say, it's all mentally. Yeah, and it's, I got you in my ear. Uh-uh. No, you don't. You better stay there. Go get a loan. Go get a, a week payday loan if you have to to take care of to make you comfortable every instant. Don't buy no extra dishwashing liquid. <laughs> we had a major, had I a wish major we had time. We had a major fallout over dishwashing liquid. <laughs> I mean, damn, it's just a dollar. Damn, it's just a dollar. 
that dollar can go a long way. And when I'm battling you, you're showing me how to live and maintain. But I, I don't want me being me. I don't want to just live and maintain. I want to prosper, but I want it down. I don't want it work for it. I'm not used to working for it. I've been blessed for everything in my life. Even in the dope game, I didn't even come in the dope game at a, a, a small level. I came in that shit right at the level of dealing weight because of my OG homie T, my brother, recipe. So everything's been given to me. So I'm spoiled. Mom, 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 send me some money. Mom, hey, homie, man, pass me son, welcome me home. So I'm doing whatever it can, but it's all passing on in my brain. Just my, I literally, my brain is just ping pong, ping pong. I'm at work thinking, what I got to do with this. And I'm still diving in my safe zone. Get to that computer, get my piece. When I close the laptop, now it's back to okay. But the support, the support I have, and all, again, all men won't be blessed to have a support system like I did. So we're talking to you in prison to compensate for the lack of support prepare yourself. And and to to be okay to ask questions. One of the things I would tell you all the time, stop saying I'm dumb. I don't get it. When I used to explain politics, I was playing this yesterday, somebody on the phone, and I I said I use a lot of analogies. And I remember they used to upset you a lot. You would say, you don't have to use analogies. Just explain it to it. And I was like, I'm not using analogies because I'm thinking you dumb. I'm using it because as an adult learner, we learn easily with analogies because we can see ourselves, you know, in with the concept that I'm trying to explain. So for those who support people, it requires a lot of patience to deal with somebody in and when they come out. But what I would say to the brothers and sisters listening, to be humble enough to uh, ask for forgiveness when you fuck up, like that's really important. Um, to be willing to ask for forgiveness, to be willing to understand that there's a lot of stuff in your mind that you have to go back and untangle and understand why you did the things you did, the learned behavior. Like when we fell out over the dish, dishwashing liquid, it wasn't about you didn't get it. He was like, I don't understand. It's just a dollar dishwashing liquid. Damn, you're going crazy. And I was like, Spud, you're not getting it. The, it's the learned behavior feeling like if I want it, I get it. You didn't need it. You didn't need dishwashing liquid and dishwashing detergent for the dishwasher. One or the other. The idea of I want it, I get it. I get it, I cop it. If I want that, I get it. If I do this, I get it. It's that mentality of not understanding that everything you want, everything you desire, you cannot get all the time. And you may get everything you want in life, but it may not all be at the same time. There may be seasons of time where you have everything at the highest level. There'll be seasons where you don't have everything. But when you look back on your life, you can say, I literally had it all. Not all at the same time. But I had it all. And so it's the patience uh, that I hope that people understand that you need. And I, I wanted you to share that story, not as a way to scare people, but to give them the reality of it does require work when you get home. It is not as easy as you think. Um, and but I, I remember Lewis because he was very positive when he said he said, but he he always remembered that his worst day free was better than his best day locked up. Right, right. And I That's thought that was a hell thing. of a saying. That's a real thing. <laughs> yeah. Hey, your bad day out there, uh, there ain't nothing compared to your best day in prison. You know what I mean? That's a real spill right there. And it's like, like you say, talking to the people that sit incarcerated. I'm not trying to scare you because it can't be done. 
And like I said, if you don't have the support system, ask questions to people that came back, ask questions to anybody that you're in communication with outside, how the job market it is, what is this? Because I can prepare you, I can tell you everything you need. And I'm not trying to spook you. If anything, let it be motivation because I did it seven years later after 15 years of that month, I'm still here. 16 books in my game. I mean, I worked at it and I learned it still. For real, I'm still a working part. I ain't all the way over the hump. Oh, yeah. I'm still learning something every other day. <laughs> Better believe you know? <laughs> you're still a working but you've come so so far. I've and and, I, more, and yeah. I think accountability matters too. All right, so there we were, cruising through the new open-air zoo, when I realized that the park was closing in like 15 minutes. Luckily, we were in my Nissan Rogue. With its powerful VC turbo engine, well, we had time to see all the animals. Whoa! <laughs> and outrun a few! Drive the Nissan Rogue. Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something we care deeply about here at Black Tech Green Money. State Farm Insurance also cares about the growth of black communities. They're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help provide financial literacy, give early career advice, and grow black-owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth, which helps protect the future of our communities. We want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Farm understands that representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. It also requires active sponsorship of programs like the AXO, a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students for their academic and cultural achievements, along with funding programs like Project Ready, a national urban league program committed to educational achievement of black and brown youth that has awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to date. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. You know, I was going back and forth with somebody on my Instagram this week and he's talking about he did time and he violated. He said, all oh, the brothers don't want to hear that when you locked up. They I tried to tell them they don't want to hear they need to take accountability for their crime and not blame the crime. And, and this is where he was misinformed. One thing you have always done, and I used you as an example. There were levels of your accountability. First, you took accountability and snitch on nobody. You said, hey, this is my time. It is what it is. I got to do my time. Then there was a phase of blaming other people for telling and they should have did this and that. Then there became a point where you were taking total accountability. It's all on you. And then I came in and explained it's also a system that made it easier for you to do it, not blaming it totally and completely on the system, but understanding the intricacies around that because I had to do that in order to get you to understand how powerful your voice can be in changing the system because initially it was fuck the government, the politician, they lie, they this, they that, it ain't gonna never be a difference, ain't gonna never be a change, which all those things can be true. But I wanted you to see how the system was designed and set up so that you can see how you got played like a pawn before the conspiracy ever happened, before you met who you met, before the game, like what even started the game. And it doesn't mean to not take accountability. It means that we have to continue to educate each other on where it, nobody has 100% of the blame, but how do we evenly put out that blame and how do we correct it and have enough patience and love for each other 
until we get a chance to see it. And this job ain't for everybody. It's really not. Like when he said, well, they don't want to hear me and they want. I said, well, look at your attitude. You you violated and you looking down on them. The nerve of you to look down on them when you came home and violated too because they didn't catch up as fast as you caught up. Now you're looking down at them. Remember, I used to tell you that all the time. You'd be like, oh, this nigga done. And I'll say, Spud, stop saying that. Remember, it was one time when you didn't understand this or that. And you was still some stuff you had to learn. That don't mean you're dumb. It means people got to learn in their own time. So had the brothers not been supportive of you to say, Spud, you can do this with your book. Submit your manuscript. I believe that it's more in you. Then you wouldn't be in the position that you're in now. Had your support system, I say, I believe that it's more to you. You wouldn't be in the position you're in now. Had I listened to you when you said, I don't know why you take time trying to help these people. You're not going to never get nothing back. You wouldn't be in the position that you're in now. And so all of us have to, at some point, remove ourselves out of the equation, which is very hard to do for the antisocial personality, the criminal, because it is about self. It's very self-driven. But if you just remove yourself at the equation just a little bit, then you can find some peace as you manage. Life is hard. I tell you all the time, you're like, man, this is hard. I'm like, this is what we've been doing for the last 20 some years. Regular folk been doing this. When you say, damn, every time I go forward, I go backward. That's what regular life is, baby. Ain't no different than this. This is what we've been doing. <laughs> it's normal to do that. That's normal. So, I commend you on how far, and I know we got to wrap up, and there's so much more I want to talk to you about, but mm-hmm. I commend you on just staying down. And shout out to me for staying down. Shit, I commend myself. You have not been easy. <laughs> just going to say that. This has not been easy. But no, but but shout out to you for just staying down and staying in the game and not giving up. There's a lot more, you know, I want to talk about with your story that we did not talk about today. Um. But I just, I commend you. I respect you. You have opened up not just what I've been able to show you, and I appreciate you always paying homage to that, but I, you have certainly shown me uh, another viewpoint of what it is to be behind the wall and encourage, and encourage me, you know, to keep doing what I can do in this space. And it doesn't mean give you excuses or, I'm I'm hard on you. And that's why when that brother said today, oh, they got to take accountability. You don't know what you're talking about. I'm hard on you because I see the best in you. But at the same time, I've had to learn a level of patience that I didn't have to learn before, a level of grace that I didn't have to learn before. And I've had to set boundaries too. You know, mm-hmm. with saying, hey, Spud, hey, this is my boundary. I can't go no further than this because you're driving me crazy. And it took you time to even respect that, to say, okay, I, I feel you on that. That's your boundary. I got to, I, I, you a line pusher. You are a habitual boundary overstepper. But even <laughs> you, even you have had to learn, hey, this is her boundary. And I got to respect that in order if I want to keep this person, you know, and, and this friend in my life. So I, I commend you uh, for that, Spud. And I just think you have so many stories in you to tell before we wrap up. You've done uh, for the listeners. Um, you're now, you know, speaking at colleges and with kids and, you know, sharing your story and talking about what it means to be in this in this life since eight years old. Um, and it truly having an impact on every facet of your life, your transparency, what you've been through, your courage, your strength, your weaknesses, all of those things um, is to be admired. And it certainly helps me. Um, have the ability to help uh, somebody else. And so I hope they found this episode helpful. 
Um, before we get out of here, I'm going to uh, I'm going to I said my piece. If you can give a couple of closing thoughts uh, before we wrap this episode up. Again, I appreciate you putting me on the show and I truly do feel grateful for your patience. I pushed you, you know, line pushing hard, but yet you were strong enough to deal with, you know, now, and I'm truly grateful you having your friend in my life. And just to the people who listening, whether they friends who have family and is incarcerated, don't give up on them. Just if you, you stand down with them, stay down with them and have that patience be, so they can hopefully be successful and stay out of prison. I mean, my goal is to teach the young, but if the old learn too, then that's what's up. I'm geared my focus to the young kids that's in juvenile halls and detention centers, trying to help them realize that they can be whatever they want to be. And in closing, I'll just say this last thing that I like to tell the kids when I talk, and I'm looking at them hanging on to my every word, just captivated by the stories that I'm telling them about my life and then where I'm at now as far as being the best selling author. And actually, I look at them and I say, I've been in plenty of funerals in my life. A whole lot. And I used to always look at the family and look at my homeboy who we've been, who really wasn't even like that. Wasn't worse as me. And he's laying there dead. I used to always ask God, why am I not in there? Why am I not dead? And like I told you before a long time, a time ago, I expected either, either I'm be in prison or I'm be dead. Either or. Whichever one happened, gonna happen. Immediately prepare you for that. And that's just so crazy. And then when I talk to the kids and, I, and see them holding on to my every word, it's like I get a goosebumps and chills all through my body because they are listening. And then I hit them with the clothes and say, now I realize why God didn't take me, why God didn't lay me down. He brought me here to be here for you, to learn from me, to learn from my crazy life. And you can almost see the kids are almost crying. And it gives me so much pleasure. That closing statement is the perfect cherry on top of the banana split. So learn, be patient. It's all good. Stay 10 toes down, as we say in Inglewood. And if you ever need to holler at me, you can hit me up on my website, www.clipperspudjohnson.com. I'll be here for tapping and holler at you boy. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. It's such a uh, I'm just smiling because um, seeing you talk to children, knowing when I first came to see you after we reconnected with being lost for a while. And you said, I don't know why you waste time doing it and to see you doing it now. It ain't no better way to waste your time than to pour into somebody else. That's the best way you can do time. And that's what this series is all about, how you do your time, whether you are encouraging someone on the yard, whether when you get home. Whether you are passing or paying it forward, as they say, with helping somebody else, be it a child or someone else. The best way you can do your time while you're doing time on this earth uh, is to really pay it forward. In fact, the name of this entire program that we um, created with the George Floyd Foundation was called Reclaiming Your Time. And I got it from Maxine Waters when she kept saying, I'm reclaiming my time. I said, what about people that lost time due to prison? How can they reclaim that? How can they get that back? 
how do you get that back and turn it into something positive? And it was just like how you and I met when you said, I'm going to give you this money to go start your life and do something good with this money. Well, now it's not about the money that you have to give. It's about your story. And that is so much more valuable than money could ever be, because those are the things that I'm going to remember once we're all dead and gone and the story passes on to the next one and to the next one. So for those who are listening, I hope you found uh, this story inspiring, encouraging and challenging you to do better. Two things can be done at the same time. You can love somebody. You can also challenge them to do better. And we at the George Floyd Foundation love you enough to make sure that you got this content. Thank you so much. Clifford Spud Johnson, you can visit him at www. Clifford.SpudJohnson.com. Check out one of his books. If you can do me a favor, ask one of your family members to order one of his books. You can go on his website. They're available in Walmart, Barnes & Noble. Any major retailer has my boy's books, or you can go online and get it on Amazon. Pick one that uh, works for you uh, and, and do me a favor, support this brother because that truly is my dream come true is to get his books on all of the federal penitentiary shelves. Uh, but that is truly how you can uh, support and get one of those books and certainly reach out to him and let me know uh, if you found it helpful. So thank you so much for, for joining us. You listen to straight shot, no chase with Tesla figure out peace. If you like what you heard on Straight Shot No Chaser, please subscribe and drop a five-star review and tell a friend. Straight Shot No Chaser is a production of the Black Effect Podcast Network and iHeartRadio. I'm Tesla Figaro, and I'd like to thank our producer, editor, mixer, Dwayne Crawford, and our executive producer, Charlemagne the God. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. AT&T Connects and Ode to Podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the driving to work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T.